And it's such an honor to be with you today. As Pastor said, it's been about a year that we've been working on this. And I want to make it very clear, it is such an honor, Pastor Mark, that you would trust me to even put your neck on the line to give a recommendation to allow me to stand here. Because Pastor Marion, I know that you don't allow just anybody to be here. Uh, there's a lot of churches where pastors book guest speakers regularly because they don't care to preach. It's the truth. There are pastors that they will have 20 guest speakers, 30 guest speakers a year because they want a break. But I know for a fact that your leadership team does not desire just to have a break. They desire to have a breakthrough. They want to move forward. And not only do they want to move forward, they want you to move forward. The reason that they strategically bring the voices that they bring, and I'm so honored to be here, is because they desire you to move from where you are into your full destiny that God created for you. They do not believe that where you are now is it. Can I tell you that this is not the end? Whether you're 22 or 82, if you have breath in your lungs, this is not it. You were created for something so much bigger. You were created for something so much better. And you're on your journey and you're headed there. And I don't know why I feel this, but some of you have been frustrated with your pastor because you feel like he's been stepping on your toes. You feel like he's been putting things in place and it's been all about growth and it's been all about the new season and the next thing and you're going, Pastor, I don't know how much further I can go. I mean, it's getting a little bit like you're talking about prosperity, God. Well, well, he is talking about prosperity because the Bible talks about prospering in your soul, prospering in your life, being the most that you can possibly be. Because when we're like Jesus, we're whole and we're full and we have more than enough. And, and I'm just here today to take you to the next. This isn't even in my notes. I just, I felt like I had to share this with you. It's in my notes and I'm going to let you sit down. There is more for you. There is more for you than, there, than you're experiencing right now. I'm going to take a two-minute two detour here, and then I'll get into the real message, okay? Your pastor gets to detour ten times. I get to detour two times, okay? <laughs> that was so dumb. Okay, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, this is quick. This is not even what I'm preaching today. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Somebody shout more. In the live stream, I want you to write it in the chat. Say more in big, bold letters. Able to do more than we ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. There is a power of God that is at work within the, on the inside of you and you are able to do more. Now some of you love hearing the word more and you're like, I can do more. And you stand behind it and you, you quote the scripture and you know it and you hear it. But what does more actually mean? What does it mean? that God can do more with your life than where you're currently at. Well, I'm glad you asked because I came to tell you in the last 60 seconds of my detour. This is what it means. It means that God can do it abundantly. God can do it by much. He can do it better. Listen to me. He can do it beyond, emphatically. God can do it enormously through you. He can do it ex exceedingly, exceptionally, extra, in great measure. God can do it incalculably, in addition to, incomparably, infinitely, the most, on a large scale, supremely, surpassingly, tremendously, vastly, very much, bottomless, boundless, endless, horizonless, infinite, indefinite, limitless, measureless, unbounded, unlimited. God can do more with you than you ever thought possible. How do I know? Because baby, I'm living it. I'm living the unlimited, the no boundaries more of God. But I can tell you two and a half years ago, I wasn't. Get in my world for a second. Two and a half years ago, I woke up May the 1st, 2018. It's almost three years ago. And I was $125,000 in consumer debt. By the way, I'm glad you got off the keys or I just kept shouting. <laughs> I was $125,000 in consumer debt. I had 11 credit cards fully maxed out. I owed Chase Bank on one credit card $10,340. I was in student loan debt 
through my eyeballs between my wife and I. I owed, I owed the KGB, I mean, I, my in-laws money. <laughs> Can I give you marriage advice? Don't owe your in-laws money. It's a bad recipe for your marriage, baby. I owed my grandma money. Who owes their grandma money? Like what sick person borrows money from granny? I did. $125,000 in consumer debt two and a half years ago. And I sat there and I had this moment with God. I was in the Poconos. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, I didn't create you to live like this. I didn't create you to be in financial despair. You know what I've realized about freedom? Is that finances play a massive role in your overall health and freedom. Some of you don't, you don't want to believe that, but it's because you've been stuck in poverty your whole life and you've learned how to survive. The Bible didn't call us to just survive. The Bible called us to thrive. Now, nowhere in this message over the next two and a half hours, I mean in the next 35 minutes. <laughs> oh, man. Am I going to tell you that you're going to get a private jet? Not in the next few minutes. Am I going to tell you that you're going to get uh, a 15,000 square foot house? I'm not going to tell you you're going to get a Lamborghini or a Ferrari or a Bentley. Nowhere are you going to hear that. But the Bible did call us to thrive. And if on the end of that some of those things come, then so be it. But that's not the point of thriving. But this area of finance, the series that we're in, it's connected to every single area of your life. And when I was growing up, my parents and my family, we were in extreme poverty. Listen, poverty was like oxygen. It was everywhere around me. All I knew was poverty. All I knew was financial fights. All I understood was the bills not being paid. That's the environment that I lived in, that there was always too much month at the end of the money. Has anybody ever been there before? You know what I'm talking about online right now. You know exactly what I'm Too much month at the end of the money. That's the life that I grew up living. Now, I have to say that my parents were great to me. Somehow, somewhere, there was always food on the table. They were believers. They loved God. We had food. We had clothes. But it was always a struggle. And I made a determination that when I got older and I got out of the house that things were going to change. But you know what happened? It didn't change. I just followed suit with my family. I remember that when I took my wife out on, the, on her first date, I took her out on the first date. I remember I had saved all of my money. I, I had piled it up because, man, this girl, she was fine. Can I tell you something? She's fine today. I'm excited about going home. Hello? I board a plane at 5 p.m. Baby, I cannot wait to get home to you. I love you. We just had a, well, I didn't have nothing. You just had a baby, okay? <laughs> And you, I, love when, I love when us guys were like, we just had a baby. Man, we didn't do nothing. <laughs> I mean, I did hold the fan and I fanned her like this crazily, okay? You know, but what did we do, okay? We didn't do anything. And so my wife just had a baby, right? She's there with our two-year-old and she's there with our soon-to-be two-week-old. I mean, it's crazy, right? She's a good woman. And I remember when I took her out on the first date, I said, I want to impress her. I want to give her everything that I can possibly give her. And so I saved up all of my dollars and I took her to the nicest restaurant in Orlando, Florida that I knew of. Everybody in this room has heard of bonefish, right? Yeah, it wasn't bonefish. Bonefish is good. There's this place called Fish Bones. They just switched the name and added a couple dollar signs, okay? Fish Bones. And so I took her to Fish Bones, and I remember sitting at the table, and, uh, and I was going, man, I've got to lock this thing in right now. I mean, we're going to take her to the best meal she's ever had, and then she's going to be mine. I've never seen a woman so beautiful. I've never seen a woman so intelligent. I've never met a woman that was so driven, that loved God so much. I had known her for a week, and I was desperate, so I was like, we're getting married, okay? <laughs> so I took her on this date, and I remember sitting there, and, uh, you know, on the first date... Typically, what I thought in my mind was she was going to order a salad and a water. So even if I took her to Applebee's or I took her to Fishbones, it didn't really matter. Well, this woman was raised right, 
and uh, hmm, said, what would you like to eat? And being kind, I let her go first. And I was, I was prepared. I'm like, she's ordering the $20 salad, which is still ridiculous. But that gives me a little bit of room to order the six-ounce filet. And she goes, yeah, I'll have the filet mignon and swordfish. I was like, the sword what? <laughs> I didn't know we were fighting. <laughs> like, couldn't we wait a couple years in the marriage to do that? I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so... And so it's in the show, it's a swordfish and flaming. I kid you not, I wish you'd hear, she'd tell you. The, the person looks at me and goes, what do you want? I said, can I get a diet water with no ice so there's like, so you can take something off the bill? And, uh, and I'll take a kid's cheeseburger. I kid you not, I ordered a kid's cheeseburger. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know why she's still with me. And I remember being there, and I ordered this kid's cheeseburger, and, uh, and, I, and, and we eat, and I eat it real, real slow. And I was like, Lord, help me to pay this bill. So the bill, she gets dessert, because, of course, she was raised right. So, she, you know, like, I need the chocolate lava cake with extra lava and extra chocolate and extra this, that, and the other. And I was like, woman, you don't understand. <laughs> and I remember... <laughs> You've been there before, haven't you? You know what it's like. And, uh, and I remember that the check came to the table. And this time I couldn't get out of just, you know, fake walking out, going, I got to answer a cell phone call, you know, like some of you do when the bill comes, hello. And uh, I couldn't fake that out, okay? Like I had to pay the bill. And so I opened it up and I immediately looked at her and I said, I got to go to the bathroom. And I walk to the bathroom. I start texting my friends, can you Venmo me? Can you cash at me? Can you chase pay me? Can you sell pay me? Man, can I borrow your credit card? <laughs> I walk back out. I walk back out. And I'm sitting at the table. And they come over. And I look at the guy. And I'm like, listen, man. I was like, I got $15 cash for this. Um, I, I got this card right here. Can you put $10 on this credit card? Uh, by the way, do you, do you actually take Chick-fil-A gift cards? Because if you do, man... <laughs> Like, that would be awesome. I've <laughs> got about 20 bucks in Chick-fil-A gift cards. And, uh, and so, <laughs> and this guy goes, he takes this cash, he takes about 10 cards, goes away, and he swipes them, and he comes back. And uh, have you ever gotten spiritual with the ATM before? Like, you know there's only $17.22, but you know that it only spits out 20s. And you're like, in the name of Jesus, this one time, one, two, three, now. Like, just spiritual, right? I'm like, I got to tip this dude, okay? And he comes back, and he's like, hey, man, it went through. You know, I might have used my own card to help you with the last $34, but <laughs> it went through. <laughs> Woo. Woman, you crazy. <laughs> Soon after that, we got engaged. We got married, and we left, and, and we, went, we, we, uh, we moved to Ormond Beach, Florida, and we're there. And I remember when this thing started to break in me. See, sometimes it's a process. You think it's going to happen overnight. It's going to happen in a minute. But you've got to hit rock bottom, right? That, that should have been rock bottom, but I didn't learn my lesson. You understand that God tries to teach you lessons so you don't have to hit rock bottom. But some of us just wait and we live in insanity. And we do the same things over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And then eventually we lose everything. And then, then we want to change our mind. You know God's graceful and he wants us to change our mind long before that. So we get married, we moved to Ormond Beach, Florida. I remember we had no groceries, no groceries, none, zero. All we had was a can of baked beans and some tater tots. And the genius in me said, if you mix the, green, if you mix the baked beans and the tater tots, it makes a good meal. Except for the fact that the tater tots were freezer burnt. It was gross. And that's what I made for my wife one night. I was like, I want to serve you this delicious meal. She's looking at me like something's wrong with you. I remember, I remember leaving that moment, and uh, we went to McDonald's, and, uh, and I didn't even know McDonald's had coupons. I didn't even know McDonald's had coupons, Pastor. We pull into McDonald's, and my wife looks at me, and she says, I got this coupon. Buy one Big Mac, get 99 for free. And I was like, for real? There's coupons? But what I was sitting there thinking was, I can't even afford a Big Mac. So what I did was what any person would do that's in a car that has no money left on any credit card, has no money in the bank, has no cash. I opened the door and I got out, and I kid you not, I got on my hands and knees. And you know the death hole in between your seat and the, uh, in the middle console? 
the black hole of death there where you can't see anything, it's just gone into space. As I'm sitting there, I'm two months into marriage and I'm looking at the most beautiful, intelligent woman that I've ever known in my entire life and it was my responsibility to care for her. And I didn't have a dollar to buy a cheeseburger. And I'm digging in the death hole trying to find some change. And I felt like such a failure. How have I lived for this long? And yet I don't have money for a cheeseburger, not for myself, for my wife. Rapidly thoughts begin to move through my head that maybe that Starbucks run that I had done a couple weeks before and got my most expensive drink on the menu probably wasn't the best investment. I started thinking about how I had wasted so much money on clothes and I had wasted so much money on shoes and I had wasted so much money on going out to the movies and doing this, that, and the other. And I had squandered everything that God had given me. And when, when, when the rubber met the road and it was time for me to be a man and take care, take care of my wife and my family, I had nothing to show for it. But you know what I couldn't do? I couldn't blame anybody else. It was no one else's fault that I was in that position. The number one thing that I had to do in order to change my financial world was to brutally confront my reality that it was my fault and no one else's. And when you live in the American culture where they point the finger at everybody else and it's everybody else's fault, it's your neighbor's fault. It's your pastor's fault. It's your mama's fault. It's your daddy's fault. It's your president's fault. Can I tell you, I'm not very old, but I've lived through Bush one. I've lived through Clinton. I've lived through Bush two. I've lived through Obama. I've lived through Trump. And now I'm living through Biden. I can tell you, it's not their fault and they're not going to change anything. I can't sit around and wait for them to bail me out. God created me to be able to bail myself out through him. Because the Bible says in Deuteronomy that God has created you to, to produce wealth. They're not going to do it for me. I heard a statement yesterday when I was driving into the airport when Mark was about to pick me up. And this is what they said, that some politician who shall not be named made a statement that the next package that we have passed here in the house... For $1.9 trillion, I'm not even preaching politics, I'm going to preach the truth. The, 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 the politician said this, it's going to lift 12 million people out of poverty. No ma'am, no sir, it will not because poverty has nothing to do with what's in your bank account. Poverty has everything to do with what's in your heart, what's in your mind, and it has everything to do with the actions in which you live. And it doesn't matter if somebody gave you a million dollars in stimulus, you would be bankrupt before you knew it because your behaviors are not in line with the word of God. Okay, Holy Spirit fingers, because now I offended everybody. God bless you. Amen. 600 bucks ain't gonna help you, 1200 bucks ain't gonna help you, 1800 bucks ain't gonna help you. It's not going to help you if your heart and your mind and your actions are not in line. It's not gonna change anything. So God told me in May, I gotta run. God told me in May, he says, I'm gonna get you out. I have a plan for you and I'm gonna help get you out. And today I've come for one reason and one re reason only, and that is to help you get out. And if you will follow me as I follow Jesus and you will do exactly what I have done, I promise you, you will get out because this is not Jamie's plan, this is God's plan. You'll be out. Before you know it, you will be on the other side. And guess what? I get to board a plane and go home and I may never see you again. So if you don't like it, this is what I need you to do because I won't be here, okay? I need you to get on your phone at the end of the service if you don't like it. And I need you to type up an email to we don't care at BethelHarvestChurch.com, okay? Right? So when we get through this, <laughs> that's what we need, okay? And I guarantee you that nobody will read it. Okay, and so <laughs> for the next few minutes, what I want to teach to you is just a message that, I'm that I've entitled, 
what I'm teaching my children about money. When I initially wrote this, when I initially wrote this a couple years ago when God downloaded this into me and it's the path that I've been walking, I entitled it, What I'm Teaching My Son About Money. But now I have a little baby girl. So I've got to teach her too. So what I'm teaching my children about money. Proverbs 22, 4 through 9 says this. Proverbs 22, 4 through 9. It says, the reward of humility in the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Your reward, my friend, are riches, honor, and life. Not poverty, not disrespect, not death and devastation. Somebody needs to hear that today. The reward for you loving and serving the Lord is riches, honor, and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. He who guards himself will be far from them. Verse 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. He who sows iniquity will reap vanity, and the rod of his fury will perish. He who is generous, somebody say generous, will be blessed. For he gives some of his food to the poor. It's so interesting because I've heard verse 6 preached a million times. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it, or she will not depart from it. And many times I've heard pastors preach this scripture, and they've talked about to honor your mother and your father. Well, that's good. You should train your children to do that. Love your neighbor. Well, you should train your children to love their neighbor, uh, to love the Lord their God with all of their heart, their mind, and their soul. Friend, watching by live stream, you should train your children to do that, to love the Lord their God. All of these things are valid. But when I was reading this scripture and the Lord brought it to me, he said, go down one verse, and it says this. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. This scripture is dealing with personal finance. That if you will teach your children where to invest their money, that they will not depart from the Lord if you teach them to invest their money into the kingdom. How do I know this? Because wherever your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And if you've looked at me for 12 seconds, what you've noticed is that for most of my life, my treasure has been at Chili's. <laughs> my treasures has been at Wendy's. I remember pulling out my bank statement, right? Because some of us, we don't even, we refuse to look at our bank statement. When I went through this process of getting right with God, I pulled out my bank statement and I was looking through it and I said, how did that woman, Wendy, get on there 37 times? <laughs> right? I was, I was addicted. Now I gotta say that I'm free of Wendy's in the name of Jesus. Somebody clapped their hands. I'm free of that place. Ooh, but Shake Shack, oh man, help me Jesus. <laughs> it says the borrower is slave to the lender. Before that, it says the rich rules over the poor. Can I tell you something? That the rich being the ruling class has been a biblical principle forever. And that will never change. And some of you are so angry about it. And so mad about it. And you fight so much over it. Can I tell you, it's just a principle of the word. It's just how it works. And instead of being in poverty my entire life, I determined I would rather be someone that had influence that could help those that used to be in my position. That I didn't have to be someone who became wealthy and then did things for evil, but I could become wealthy and do things for good. But I was living in a mess. I had no money to my bank account three years ago as I'm sitting, sitting in that Airbnb there in the Poconos. And I'm going, God, I have to get out. I have to get out. I have to get out. And he says, I can get you out, and I'm going to teach you how. And it's what I'm teaching my, my children. And the first thing that I'm teaching this is that God is their source. Listen to me. Daddy is not your source. Mama is not your source. Your job is not your source. Your best friend is not your source. I gotta say this again because we're living through it. The federal government is not your source. And when you keep your eyes on the wrong thing and on the wrong source, you live disappointed because the source of the world is endless, but the source of the, uh, is, it has an end to it, but the source of the king is endless and it will never go away. There is an end to what I have. There is never an end to what God has. And so you get so frustrated. I hear so many people that are going, can't you just pass? legislation so I can get my check and the problem with that is is that your source has become them and it's not in God 
Because God could do it right this second if he determines. They'll take as long as they want. Son, I don't need you. Daughter, I don't need you to trust in me. I need you to trust in him. I don't need you to do it my way. I need you to do it his way. That's why it's what I'm teaching my children about money. All I'm teaching them is what God has been teaching me over the last three years. God, in Psalm 23, 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Can I tell you if that if you are in God, you lack absolutely nothing. You're in need of absolutely nothing because you are connected to the king who can give it all to you. Oh my gosh. Deuteronomy 8.18, I already quoted this, but it says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Proverbs 10.22 says, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. In another translation, it says, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. That God's desire for you is not to just sit around and figure out how you're going to survive. But instead, how can you thrive to make a difference? Man, that's so good. So good. You know, eight out of 10 Americans are in debt. Pastor told us this last week that 78% are living paycheck to paycheck. Some of you weren't here, so I gotta say it again. You miss good stuff when you're not in the building. I'm passionately in love with the local church. That's why I always show up. Come rain, hello. Come snow, hello. Come COVID, hello. If I've got to watch on my phone, if I've got to watch on my TV, I want to be in the building as much as possible. But wherever I am, I'm paying attention because there's a word for me on every single Sunday. And if I miss it, then I miss the opportunity to grow. 78% are living paycheck to paycheck. You understand that 70% of the people under the sound of my voice could not cover a $1,000 emergency with cash. You know how insane that is? Let me break that down for you. Let me break it down for you. That is absolutely insane. Because some of us have worked our entire life receiving paychecks our entire life. And 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road, we don't have, have $1,000 to cover an emergency with cash? Friend, what have we been doing with our resource? What have we been doing with what God has entrusted us with? Well, I don't make a lot of money, so, you know, I'm not a millionaire. Let me do some simple math for you. You could work at McDonald's for 50 years making $20,000, and guess how much money you would have made in your lifetime? A million dollars. McDonald's on 20 grand. And you'd made a million dollars in your lifetime. And yet, you don't have a thousand dollars cover an emergency with cash <laughs> yet some of you some of you in this room some of you in this room you've made way more than that you've you're double that you make forty thousand dollars a year pastor told us if you make forty thousand dollars a year you're in the top four percent of the world you know that if you make forty eight thousand dollars a year pastor told us this you're in the top one percent of the entire world you don't have a thousand dollars to cover an emergency with cash no 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 brother i don't keep cash i use my credit card for airline miles until you rack up twenty two thousand dollars in credit card debt and that one thousand dollar emergency just turned into fourteen thousand because you paid minimum payments for 10 years oh i'm not talking about you i'm talking about me and your neighbor okay so don't worry some of you are mad no i'm just talking about your neighbor <laughs> This message isn't for you. You're perfect financially. <laughs> you don't need this. This is for someone else. Man, can I tell you that if this feels like a gut punch or a punch to the throat, that means it's for you. Because that's what I needed three years ago. I needed the Lord to do a little smacky smacky. I needed the Lord to grab me and take me out to the woodshed like they used to do back in the old days. Give me a little whipping, okay? Spare the rod, spoil the child. And spiritually, some of us have been living like infants financially. We are spiritual babies with our finances. You understand that children live by emotions. Children say, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. But adults devise a plan and execute on it. 
Adults don't do what we want. Adults do what we know we should do. And as an adult, I devise a plan with my finances, and I don't care if the Michael Kors purse is on sale. I don't care if the Michael Jordan shoes are the newest release. I don't care if they're having a deal at the local restaurant. I don't care what commercial I saw with Macy's. I'm an adult, so I have devised a plan with my finances, and my plan tells me I cannot do that if I cannot afford that. And if I don't have cash to pay for it, I can't afford it. Some of us, some of us, we make way too little to be living the way we're living. And some of us in this room, we make way too much to be in the mess that we're in. Way too much. But that's where I was three years ago. A mess. Because I had no control. As I was driving here yesterday, I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me this. And I said, when do you want me to talk about this? And I and I've been waiting. It's only been 24 hours, but when I hear something from God, I want to tell somebody, right, Pastor? We've got to tell somebody. Mark, you know about it. The Lord told me this. Let me tell somebody right now. The Lord never released it. And right now. And the Lord said this to me. He said, money is not a math problem. It's not a numbers problem. It's a behavioral problem. It's not numbers. It's behavior. Because we can get more numbers, but if we don't change our behavior, then nothing ever changes. And so I said, okay, Lord, I get it. Stop whipping me. <laughs> I want to know what I'm supposed to do. And the Lord said this. He said, make a plan. And I said, Lord, well, there's a $1.6 trillion student loan crisis that's going on right now. At this point, it's $1.8 trillion. God, never in my life did I think I would have the privilege of being a part of something so large. <laughs> what a privilege and an honor it is. To be under a curse. The Bible calls debt a curse. You know why you can't sleep at night with your debt? Because you're living under a curse. Just telling the truth, friends. I've been there. I know what it's like. God said, you need to make a plan with your money. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Well, if I never make it a plan, God can never establish it. But I need the power of the Lord to establish my plans because when he sets it in stone, there's, not no, there's no man, there is no demon, there is no devil that can come against the plan when the Lord establishes it. But if I refuse to make a plan with my money, God can never establish the plan. Luke 14, 28 says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have money to complete it? If you're going to do something... You should first calculate the cost because if you don't complete it, you look like a fool. I started a project four years ago where I was going to build an office space because the Lord said, expand your ministry. You need offices. And I said, great. Well, well, if I was smart, I would have counted the cost and realized I had a basement and I could have just used my basement as my office, but I had to be cool. I had to be the evangelist that went and I got a big office space and it needed all of this construction because we're expanding for Jesus. Well, guess what happened? Three years later, I handed the keys over to somebody with the space unfinished. And I looked like a fool, and I had to sit and explain to this person why for three years I squandered the opportunity that I had. Why were you never able to finish this space? Because I bit more, I bit bigger than I could, than I could swallow. I couldn't chew it up. I, I couldn't make it happen. But I never counted the cost. And some of us, we're making financial decisions and we're not counting the cost. We're not seeing how much in the long run this is costing us by not doing it God's way. I'm going to get somewhere because we're, we're coming to a close here. Again, pastor gets five closes, I get three, okay? <laughs> You've got to make a budget. Well, God, if I have to make a budget, I've heard this plan, I've heard this budget. Where does my budget start? It's a good question. Pastor told us last week, Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will, be, there will not be room enough to store it. Pastor told us about tithing last week. And you know, I, I'm a little spiritual. I've been in church my entire life. 
And so when God says, I have a plan with your money, and, and, and the plan is to, to make a plan with your money, and I asked God, where does it start? I had, I had a feeling I would know where the Holy Spirit was going to lead me. He was going to lead me to tithing because, well, tithing, that's, that's, the, that's the first place that my budget my budget's to start. It should start with tithing. And the Lord said, your budget should start with giving. I said, I, I, am, a, I am a tither, Lord. I'm a tither. The Holy Spirit said, read the scripture and dig into it. Tithing is returning. It's not giving. You're not a giver. You're a returner. Oh, here we go. You should tithe. Tithe is priority. But above tithe is a heart and a spirit of generosity. That says, Lord, I'm willing to give all that I have Whenever you want. You ready for this? Tithing doesn't even fall into my budget. This is crazy for some of you. Because the first 10% is not mine. It doesn't even get on the paper. So if I have $1,000 come into my household, I start my budget at 900. I don't touch the first 10%. Because the Bible tells me that if I do not give, my money is cursed. So I immediately, the, the 10, whew, gone. When I start my budget, I start my budget on generosity. The first thing I do with the 900 that's left over is I go, okay, how much are we going to give off of this? This is countercultural to the, to the world. Because the world would tell you, pay yourself first. Hello, you've heard that. They've written a lot of books on it, and they're good books. You should be saving and investing for your retirement and all that. But some of you are in this mentality that invest into me first. Pay me first. I need to take my money, and I need to put it into something that's going to take care of me. And what I've realized is the number one investment that I can make is into the kingdom of God. That God will give me a bigger return than anyone else, any mutual fund, any retirement account, any 401k, 403b. God can do it for, oh, some of you didn't know that I knew a little bit about money. Hello, hi. I've been paying attention. I knew none of this three years ago, but I lived in poverty. And so the first thing I do is I make a budget around being generous. The 10%'s gone. Then I go, where is the rest of this going? And you know where the best place for me to put my money is? The best place for me to put my money is in the house of God. That's where I make my first investment. Oh, what, 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 kind, of, what kind of percentage are they giving you off of this? Oh, you're trying to work your, your honorarium. No, I'm not. I already cut the check, baby. Whether you give or not, it's not going to affect my household. You understand this? But whether you give or not is going to affect your house. Because I live this thing and I've seen the fruit of what happens when I put the kingdom of God first in my life, in my generosity. So we started a process and I remember the Lord spoke to me and he says, okay, I want you to give double what you've ever given before. He said, I want you to go and I want you to go above and beyond. And so in 2018, I'm sitting there in May and I remember that the most we'd ever given was $5,800 in a calendar year. But the reality was we hadn't given anything, we had tithed. Between my wife and I, and I'm just real and raw with the numbers, okay? They're just numbers. It's just numbers, baby. It's just numbers. It's not that big of a deal. There's plenty of people in this room that are going to be under what I make, are going to be right what I make, and some of you are going to be way above. I don't care. This is not about how much money we make. I'm trying to help you get your finances in order and put the kingdom of God first. We made $57,000, and we had, we had returned... 5,800, right? So we had given 57, or we had returned 5,700 and given $100. God says, I want you to do double that. I'm gonna get you out because in the kingdom, generosity comes first. So we started by giving $12 parking to a friend. I remember a friend came to visit my wife and I and there was free parking for 30 minutes. And the way I grew up is you do 30 minutes, you pull out and you pull into the next space that said 30 minutes of free parking. You laugh because you've been there. You know, that's a poverty mentality. It's four bucks. Pay the four dollars. Twelve dollars. Pay the twelve dollars. You put in so much extra work that you trip over, you, you trip over a dollar to save a penny. It doesn't make any sense. 
and I remember that the person said, okay, I've got 30 minutes. And my wife looked at me and she lovingly said, um, we're gonna pay for her parking. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? And she said, we're gonna pay for her parking because I wanna see my friend. I haven't seen her in years. And I said, I understand. And I started to have this argument with God. God, are you kidding me? I'm gonna pay for her parking? Why doesn't she pay for her own parking? The parking was $12. Some of us will fight with God over 12 bucks. $12. Like, you can't even get a cheeseburger at Shake Shack for $12. I would know. <laughs> you know I had no problem spending 12 bucks on myself. I had no problem taking the credit card out. 12 bucks for me, 18 bucks for me, 25 bucks for me. It's funny when people tell me, well, I can't afford to give, Jamie. Great, when you leave this room, don't you dare go through the drive-thru. Because if you got 12 bucks to give to Wendy's, you got 12 bucks to give here. Hello? Holy Spirit fingers. Online, I love you. Holy Spirit fingers. <laughs> Do not tell me. You cannot afford to live generously and give above and beyond when you're going to leave this room and you're going to go on Amazon and buy that little trinket that you've got 87 others of them and you don't even use them. But I love the scent of that candle. Why haven't you lit the other 50? This is totally countercultural to what the world would tell you. Do what pleases yourself. Do what you want. Do what you love. Can I tell you that when you're in the fullness of Jesus Christ and you do what he wants, you actually get what you want. Because the Bible says that God gives us the desires of our heart. And more than a candle, I don't want just a candle. I want a vacation away with my wife where they light the candle for us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I want something bigger. I want something better. I don't want what's now. I want something that's later that is more than I have in this moment. So I follow the kingdom. I follow his principles. And I start with generosity. And so that $12 parking, it came and it went. Close number two. And that year we begin to give more and more and more. And we finished that year in 2018. $5,800 was 2017. In 2018, it showed on our giving $12,500. One year, just like that, over double. Here's what's crazy. I didn't even notice until the end of the year. I went and looked at my income. Guess what happened? When we started giving, simultaneously, we went from $57,000 to $72,000. We increased, our, we increased the, rate, the, the rate at which we were giving by seven grand and 15 grand was returned to our household. In 2019, I woke up and the Lord spoke to me early and he said, this year I want you to give $30,000. And I said, Satan, get behind me. <laughs> $30,000. I mean, I've been poor my whole life. I had $30,000. Lord said, I want you to be intentional this year. Make generosity your priority. Go ahead and do it. So we went through the year. And when we got through the year, we ended in 2019. And we had given just north of $30,000, right? We, we, had, we had plowed into giving. We had worked that muscle. I went to the end of the year and I went back and I looked over our finance and I realized that our income had gone from 72, get ready somebody, to 135. I didn't change anything else. I'm the same guy that's been on the road for 10 years. Boom, just like that. You're telling me that if I give that I'm gonna receive? Yeah. The heart posture isn't I give so I can receive, but it's a law of the land. It's the law of the universe that when you sow, you reap. When you sow a smile, I paid attention. When you sow a smile, you get a lot of smiles. When you sow into relationship, you get a lot of relationships, good ones. When you sow into this, you get that. When you sow an apple seed, you get an apple. When you sow an orange seed, you get an orange. When you sow financially, the Lord returns to you financially. You ready? We get into 2020. And the Lord speaks to me, beginning of 2020. He says, okay, this year I want you to give $50,000. You want me to give literally my entire income that I made in 2017? 
God is nuts. Some of you can't even imagine this because you haven't started your generosity journey, but I'm calling you today to start your generosity journey where you make generosity your priority. I was broke, I was poor, I was disgusted, I was busted, I was all the things that you could possibly be three years ago, but God has been turning it around in my life, but it's been based on an action of generosity. It said $50,000. So we started to give. And then March 16th happened. Anybody remember that last year, March the 16th? Hello? 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 Sorry, Pastor. His heart just went through his throat. Please don't remind me. March 16th, everything shuts down. I don't know what happened to you, but what happened to me was I had 14 straight weeks of cancellations. I'm supposed to give $50,000, but what I thought was my source of income, which was traveling and doing this, just went away and I'm in my basement that it turned into my office that's still my office today and I love it it's ugly it's dirty the lighting's bad Mark tells me it looks like I'm in prison when I'm on a zoom with him (laughs) but guess what baby it's paid for you know, when I was in all of this debt, I was driving a nice uh, Infinity G35, the extra sport edition, black on black. I got the rims. Man, I would get on the interstate, I'd hit the gas, and I'd fly by everybody, but I couldn't sleep at night because of the car payment. Today, baby, I drive a 2008 Ford Escape Hybrid that's got 92,000 miles, and I sleep just fine. You want to know why? Because it's paid for. It's paid for, baby. It's paid for. I don't need to go to the dealership and get them to rope me into the newest 2021 this, that, or the other. No, baby, it's paid for. I don't need that stress because I don't have anybody to impress. And the people that you think you're impressing, we make all of these financial decisions to impress people that don't even care about us. Hey, buddy, look, I got a brand new truck. It's nice. And I went and got a brand new pair of boots. And hey, buddy, I just went and got brand new horses. And look at us. We're doing so well. And your friend looks at you and he tells you how nice it is and how much he loves it. And then he walks away and two seconds later, he doesn't even remember what you got. How do I know? Because you do the same thing. Well, we just got this big old house. You know, they told me, they told me originally I could only afford $400,000, but I got this deal where I found this broker and then they worked the system a little bit and I didn't believe it, but I got $750,000 approval. Great, you can't even afford your mortgage. Trying to impress people that don't even care. I looked at the other day online and I was like, oh my gosh, this doesn't make any sense. I mean, I barely... I just barely made any money three years ago. I, I, what's going on? And they said, they said, right now, no holds barred. I talked to a broker. They go, we could get you into a house right now for $650,000. A $650,000 house is not a mansion in Philadelphia, but it's nice. And I looked at my wife and I said, we could stretch beyond belief or we could be content in this season and we can build towards the next season and we can just buy this $250,000 house on a 15-year fixed-rate mortgage, and we're gonna have no problem, we're gonna pay that thing off in probably seven to eight years, and then when we get seven years from now, or maybe if the Lord moves us in between then, we'll have a little bit of equity in this thing, and then we can make the jump. Because you know, I live trying to impress everybody, and I'm tired of that. I would rather just have the things that I'm able to have in the season that I can have them than try to pull from three or four seasons ahead to have them now. I want the peace of God more than I want the peace of that thing. And God said, give. If somebody can come play keys, it'll get me to shut up and it'll make it sound way more spiritual in here, okay? (laughs) 14 straight weeks of cancellations. And Mark, you walked with me through this process. And I had this moment with God. And I had this moment with my wife. And I looked at my wife, Pastor, and I said this. I said, if God is who he says he is, if he is who he says he is, then we're gonna make it through this. And she said, so we're gonna have faith? I mean, I get it, Jamie, I have a lot of faith, but help me. And I said, we have faith. I said, but not only we have faith, we have works. I said, because you don't spend the last two years of your life sowing 30% of your income, 20% of your income. You don't spend your life doing that and God not return it to your household and help you out. And if he isn't, I'm bold. Live stream, hear me, I'm bold. I said, if he isn't who he says he is, 
I quit. I'll no longer believe. There is no God. Because that's what the word says. And he's either going to prosper us in this situation or he's not God. My wife had this look of slight devastation that that would come out of my mouth. But I'm real and raw. No way I'm going to live like that and then get into a bind and my heavenly father not take care of me. Because I did what he told me to do. I did it. It'd be different if I didn't do it. But I did it. Because you know what? Over the, those, those two years, that $12,500, that $30,000, right? I could have had $40,000 in cash in my bank account. I could have. I could have. But I didn't because I chose to be generous. We start going through the year. And the Lord says, give some more. And I'm going, God, this is crazy. Give $20 here. Give $100 there. Give $500 here. Give $1,000 here. We make it through the summer and our calendar begins to pick back up and we had all of our bills paid. Mind you, I didn't tell you this, but over the last almost three years, I paid my grandmother back. I've paid my in-laws back. We've paid every single one of those credit cards north of $40,000. That debt is gone. We've paid half of our student loans. Oh, by the way, we have $36,860 left to go. That's gonna be gone in the next 31 days. By the end of March, we're gonna pay nearly $37,000 in student loan debt. We're gonna be completely debt-free 31 days from now. I wish I was here in April because I could have testified to that, but I'm testifying in advance that when you live generously, God will provide for you to cancel all of the debt that you had, all of the worry that you had, all of the issues and the pain and all of the things that you go for. God can cancel it when you partner your faith with your actions. And I get in a plane in August. I'm in a plane and the Lord speaks to me and says, you're trying to pay your student loan debt off. See, I thought I was going to be debt free last September. But the Lord spoke to me and he said, you've got to put me first. So I want you to take all of the money that you've saved for your student loan account. And I want you to write a check right now. And I want you to give it. And I'm on this plane headed from Michigan to Florida on vacation. And I go, God, you are nuts. There's $10,000 in that account. And I only have $11,000 to my name. God said, I want you to give it. And he said, I want you to give it to this person. Can I tell you what was crazy? Is that he, the person he told me to give it to, I've been fighting with about money for six years. We've had knock down, drag out fights around money. So angry, me so angry about the way they've been handling money fighting, fighting, fighting. And God said, right now, I need you to write a check and I need you to walk, I need you to go home. When you get home from this trip to Florida, I need you to give it. I got home, I told my wife when I landed and I knew she would tell me no because my wife, we're on the same page. We've been fighting with this person. And she said, no, the Lord told me the same thing. I said, you're crazy. She goes, I was praying. The Lord said, we need to give them every dollar in our student loan account, $10,000. This is in August. This is yesterday. I remember getting home. It's September the 10th. I go and I go, I call my friend. I said, we have to come see you. We sit in their basement and I wrote this $10,000 check. Oh, by the way, it was my pastor, just so you know. It was my pastor. So angry at him for six years over stupidity. He didn't do anything wrong. My heart was in the wrong place. You want to break a spirit of frustration? You want to break, you want to break a spirit of hurt, you want to break a spirit of unforgiveness, give. Give. We wrote the $10,000 check. We handed it to our pastor. He opens it out. He opens it up. His eyes bug out of his head. Hello? Hmm. Anybody's ever done that for you? We begin to weep and the spirit drops in the room and I begin to ask for forgiveness. Pastor, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. My heart's been in the wrong place for six years. I've questioned you on every financial decision. I'm so wrong. I, I, please forgive me. And of course, he's gracious and he says, hey, buddy, he says, it's okay. He says, I love you. He said, it takes two to tango. Maybe there's been a time that I did something that was offensive and wrong and I said something, please forgive me. And you know what was, you know what was so much better than us getting out of debt? You know what was working that process? You know what's so much better than having the story of, of seeing miracles from God, financial miracles? What was so much better than that? What's happening? right relationship with my pastor 
What's better than having a dollar? Having peace. Until you live generously, you're never going to have the peace that you want. One week later, I'm standing in my house. I walk outside. I get, I get the mail. See, we gave the check on September the 10th. I open the mailbox, and there's a letter from someone. They're like, hey, I was watching one of your services, and God spoke to me. Said that I needed to give something to you. I, I know that we've never met in person, but may the Lord bless you, you and, you and your family. And I opened it up, and I looked at the check. We gave our September 10th. Their check was dated September 11th. The check was for $10,000. No way they could have ever even known that happened. I get to the end of last year, November the 29th, I'm preaching. Two services, first service, I'm preaching about generosity. In between services, the Lord speaks to me and goes, have you given your 50K for the year? And I was like, no, I knew the answer. I was $15,000 short. I texted my wife and I said, we're 15K short. What do we do? And she asked this question. Was it a God, was it a God goal or was it a Jamie goal? Did God tell you to give 50? Or did you want to give 50? I said, come on, I don't want to give anything. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? I don't want to give anything. I want to keep it all. I'm jacked up, friend. I'm messed up. It's just the rea reality. I'm walking this process. I want to keep it. I want to fly first class. I want to stay at the Ritz-Carlton. I want to eat filet mignon every day. Okay? I'm messed up. And I said it was a God goal. And I said we only have $18,000, $18,400 in our bank account. And 15000 of that is to go towards our debt because I wanted to be debt free by the end of last year. I said, if we clear that out, we have $3,400 to pay all of our December bills. We have no Christmas money. Are you hearing me? We have no Christmas money. We have no money to do anything if we give this $15,000. She said, did God tell you to do it or did you want to do it? And I got in the second service and I preached and I made a declaration from stage because I needed a target on my back. I needed accountability because I'd just walk away and my, whatever, my wife and I would talk about it later. And I looked and I told the whole team, I said, I want somebody in this room that's got enough faith to match me. And I said, you might not have 15 grand, but you may be in a similar financial position and $50 is like 15 grand to you. And I said, I need you to partner with me today, right now. And I need you to sow the seed in faith and believe that God is gonna open up the windows of heaven and pour so much out that you can't even contain it. Because my wife and I, I said, we're giving 15 G's today. I went and I, I opened up the church app because, you know, we have push pay too. Wink, wink. There's no, there's no, no reason you can't give. You just choose not to give. And I opened up push pay and I wrote $15,000 in there and I gave 15 grand right there. Can I tell you that one of our biggest financial months in my household was in December? And I had almost no dates on the calendar. It made no sense the Lord poured in. And so last year, during a pandemic, I was grounded a hundred days. I didn't fly for a hundred days and preach the gospel. $50,000 in total giving. Some of that returning, right? $35,000 in giving. $15,000 in tithe. Out of the $50,000, our income during a pandemic went from one thirty-five dollars and I spoke less than half the times that I did the year before. What I'm trying to tell you is that everything that you need is on the other side of your generosity. I don't have a Ferrari. I don't have a Lamborghini. I don't have a private jet. I don't have a mansion. I don't have all the things that the TV preachers have been telling you. But what I have is peace in my soul and a plan to see Jesus and his kingdom come. I'm able to provide for my family and do all of the things that God has created me to do. And that's better than any material possession. I can pay for the medicine, baby. I can pay for the meal. 
I can put gas in the car because I remember the day when I went to the gas station and I realized that if you had $1 on your credit card, that it would take your card and let you fill up your tank of gas. Hello? Some of you have been there. $1 in credit available. And I remember swiping it and telling people, oh, it's my gas card. It's my gas card because I wanted to be cool because you need a gas card. And I remember those days. Can I tell you, I don't have to worry about that today. I could fill my tank up and your tank up and your tank up. Let's go to the station afterwards. Actually, I want to fill your tank up. They're going back to Georgia. And I could fill your tank up and your tank up and your tank up. I don't have to worry about filling a tank of gas up. Why? Because the kingdom of God was most important before anything else. And when I made God a priority, He made my house a priority. In case you notice, I'm a little bit passionate about this because I'm tired of you being in poverty. I'm tired of people struggling. I'm tired of people not being able to afford to put food on the table. I am tired. I'm disgusted by it because I've lived there my whole life and that's not how God created us. Struggle may come, strife may come, pain may come, loss may come. But when you're invested in the kingdom, you don't have to worry about it because your Father in heaven will provide for all of your needs. Some of you need to stop going through the drive-through of the food bank and you need to get in a position where you're giving food to the bank. It's time to get out of poverty. Some of you in this room, let me speak to one other group of people and then I'm gonna hand it over to pastor. This is my third close, I said three, right? Some of you in this room, you're way too wealthy to be this cheap in your generosity. Don't let this 32-year-old kid give 50 Gs off of 157 last year, and here you are making a quarter million, 400, 500. You've got a couple houses, investment properties. You've got your 401k. You're sitting on 800 grand in a 401k, and yet you have a problem writing a $1,000 check. Come on, baby. Go to your broker and say, I need to take some of that, and I need to wire it into the house of God ASAP because I need to get my heart right because it's about kingdom first. It's about God first. You may be sitting in this room right now and it's about time you wrote that $10,000 check above your tithe. For some of you, it's about time you wrote that $25,000 check. There's somebody in this room, I don't, I don't know who you are, I just sent this song. There's somebody in this room, it's time you wire a hundred grand. It's time, it's long past time. I've been to so many places over the two, two and a half years and I've heard the stories of a gentleman sitting in the front row who was, who was wealthy. He was that guy. And I don't even tell him, I didn't say that, but he was that guy. And the Lord spoke to him and said, today I need you to give a brand new jet ski. He was going to buy two jet skis. He said, top of the line, the most expensive jet ski you could possibly buy. And God said, I want one of those. And he said, he, gave, he, ended up, he ended up doing, he gave. I saw him afterwards, he told me this story, and I said, the Lord wants to return to you something that's in your heart so much bigger than a jet ski. I don't know what it is, but God says he's gonna give it to you. He laughed, he said, I know what you're talking about. Six months later, I was having dinner with the pastor's son. He said, you remember that guy you gave that prophetic word to? I said, no, what are you talking about? He, he reminded me, I said, oh, well, that dude, what happened? He said, yeah, he said, uh, he was an inventor. He invented things and he had sold multiple businesses for multi-million dollars. He said, this guy, had a, uh, uh, this guy was currently living in a $5 million house that was paid for, had a bigger cash position. He wanted for nothing financially. But he said the thing was the guy had this new this new uh, uh, this new thing that he had built he had created he had invented and he thought it was the thing but he couldn't get it to market. He said the same week he gave he was out front in his house and his neighbor walked over and they just got into a conversation and his neighbor looked at him and says man you don't know this I've never told you this. He said he said I'm a patent attorney and not only am I a patent attorney he goes I've got a side business. He goes, I've got a whole team, a global network of guys that we bring products to market. He goes, you would never know this. He said, but I got a, I got a thing I, I made and I invented. Will you take a look at it? And the dude goes, yeah, no problem. He said, about a month later, they got together and the gentleman looked at him and said this. He said, I got really bad news for you. You're an incredible inventor and you have created products that have made you millions of dollars. And he said, but this product's not one of those. He said, instead, our team believes that this is a billion-dollar idea. 
and we want to sign with you right now and we want to take this to market. He said, what I wanted more than a jet ski was I wanted my purpose in life to be fulfilled. And my purpose in life was to bring products to market that helped people. And I couldn't do it. I had a young couple that was in service in one of my services and they were sitting to my right and they began to weep when it was time to give. Later, the same kid was saying, you know that couple? And I said, yeah, I vaguely remember them. He said, yeah, I gotta tell you the craziest thing that ever happened. He said, that couple, they both lost their jobs. He said, their house, they had started foreclosure on their house. They had no work. They had been trying to find jobs for three months. He said, in that service, you talked about going above and beyond and giving. And he said, they had $10 to their name. It was in cash in their pocket. And he said, they walked down the aisle and he goes, the church had been helping them. We had been paying their light bill. We'd been giving them food. And he said, they came down and he said, they gave the $10. He said, Jamie, on Monday, the husband got a phone call. And the phone call was a job offer for the largest salary that he had ever been offered his entire life. On Tuesday, the wife got a phone call for a job offer for the salary that's the largest that she had ever had in her entire life. On Wednesday, they got a phone call from a family member that said, hey, I was in prayer this week and the Lord spoke to me and told me to pay off your mortgage, that you don't have to worry about losing your house or going into foreclosure. Everything that you need is on the other side of your gift. Today, I want you to start the journey of generosity. I want you to join me. Some of you in this, this room, above your tithe, your journey of generosity, your commitment to the house of God this year is going to be an additional $1,000. Right now, some of you, you know it. That's true because you go, man, 1000 seems impossible. Some of you in this room, your commitment into this house is going to be $10,000 this year above and beyond. Others under the sound of my voice that are watching by live stream, your commitment into this house of God is going to be $50,000 above and beyond, $100,000 above and beyond, a quarter million dollars above. You think I'm crazy. If you're under the sound of my voice, I'm telling you, God is calling you to the above and beyond generosity, and no one is excluded. Everyone will participate this year. God wants you to live and give generously.